Hey traders, David Frost, My Strategic Forecast. You're here for another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis. Today is Wednesday, August 4, 2021. We're looking at a daily chart of the SPY or Spider, which is the proxy for the S&P 500. What do we have on the docket today? Let me tell you, we have a nice list of diverse stuff on the docket today. We're going to talk some conspiracy theory. We're going to talk markets. We're going to talk direction. We're going to talk divergences and a whole lot of stuff in between. Strap in. What's jumping off the page on the daily chart? That's always the first order of business, just so we get the big picture perspective. Okay, fair enough. The trend is your friend until she dumps you. We're above all the moving averages. All they're doing is eating time off the clock, going back and forth near the highs. Nothing more, nothing less. However, what we do have to note is when they do this, one of two things is going to happen. And because they're eating time off the clock, the longer they do so, the move out of here or the projected move out of here gets larger and larger. So the longer they go sideways, the higher they're going to go if it's a breakout. And, oh, by the way, if this particular eating time off the clock near the highs thing fails, and they start getting below, for example, yesterday's low, which puts them below the 20-period moving average. If they start scaling down a bit, and they give up the 20 on daily close, for example, first hourly closes, that begins to take away the bullish flaggish pattern that's developing at the highs. So this is what's going on now, and all charts act and react the same way. So while this is active, what they're doing is building energy for another move higher, a la our blow-off top. Where would that go? How about 448.90 to 450.24? The flip side is, if in fact this bull flaggish pattern begins to diminish, it begins to not be a bullish flaggish pattern anymore, that same energy that will normally be released in the northern direction will then be released in the southern direction. And what will you have? You'll have a test of your double bottom area all the way down here. Now, it's easy for me to sit here and say that. It's not like it would happen in an hour or two, but that would be at minimum of the ultimate target on a failure. Could be a lot more, but that would be the first place that the market would be attracted to. First place of real significance. Think about this also. Remember, the market broke out from here, and it's staying above there. So as long as it stays above there, it's building energy to go higher, and it's above the last place where it was rejected, so we know that's the former breakout area. It's staying above. If they get back in or recapture that former breakout area in here, all bets are off. That's the point. What about the 240 chart today? Is there anything material found on the 240 chart? Other than the fact that they stopped, they're closed on the 20-period moving average, not really. But the 120-minute chart is a different circumstance altogether. Here, what jumps out at me on this chart? Well, how about this breakup candle low right over here? Well, guess what? Don't markets like to run tests of breakup candle lows and breakdown candle highs? And the answer is, yes, they do. And it also happens to coincide with a general area where the 50-period moving average is going to likely be at some point over the next day or so. 
So that's interesting. Just from the first look on this chart, that's what jumped off the page at me. We're going to call that 437.75. What you'll also notice, and there are no accidents or coincidences in the market, but take notice of the fact that this breakup candle low absolutely coincides with this area here where the market ran up and then was rejected. That's the same spot we just looked at on another chart, on the daily chart. But the point that I want to bring out is the fact that we have a breakup candle low at that spot, which we know is going to be important, give or take pennies on either side, but we know that general zone is going to be important. Why? Because it is. It's the former breakout area. Now, they've already tested it, obviously, but that doesn't mean it's not still important. It's important until they start getting below and closing candles below. First on an hourly basis, then on a daily basis, and so on. So we have two reasons right now why that price is important. The breakout area and the 120-minute chart breakup candle low. What about the hourly chart? Same breakup candle low, and what we'll notice is the hourly chart today had been building one of those bearish, flaggish kind of patterns. Can't see it? Let me point it out. We go from the high, the market comes down, and it basically puts in one of these flaggish, wedgish kind of patterns. And again, same thing we talked about on the daily chart in the upward or northern direction, the same thing applies here. They're building energy for another move, which in this case would be a continuation move downward. Well, if they go downward, where would they likely be headed? You got it. They would be headed for at least for an interim place, an interim stop. Call it a way station. They would be headed for that breakup candle low, the breakout area, 437.75, 438, 437.50, something in that zone is likely to produce buyers that show up in the market to produce an intraday long side trade. Now, we're saying that the night before. So what happens tomorrow if the market opens below that breakup candle low? All bets are off for that concept because something else is developing. This is for if the market opens above, kind of where it is now, maybe slightly up, maybe slightly down. But as long as it's above that breakup candle low, that's certainly going to be magnetic on Thursday. What's the flip side of that? Remember, we're the umpire calling balls and strikes. The flip side of that is this high here at 440.28. We'll look at it like this. The market tried to rally, even though it was putting in one of these bearish, flaggish, wedgish kind of things, but we can say the market tried to rally and failed. So again, if it's up there tomorrow and it gets above that spot, that could be important enough to slingshot the market up to fill the gap that never got filled today. 440.70, give or take. You'll see all this stuff inside the numbers, which we'll get to in a moment. But first, let's get to some other stuff, some off-the-beaten-track stuff. Here we have a daily chart of Robinhood. Everybody knows Robinhood. They came public last week, and all of a sudden, it became a meme stock. The stock was at like 85 or 90 today. What was the high? $85 on the button had basically a poor debut when the IPO happened last week, and then all of a sudden, everybody loves it. I have my own story on Robinhood, so 
grab a drink. I'm going to be on a little bit of a conspiracy slash soapbox. And I think it'll all make sense in the end. Remember, there's a method to the madness. We talked before about pay for order flow. What is that? Where firms like Robinhood and Webull and other firms, even all of them today, have some version of this where they'll offer free trades to the retail average everyday Joe trader. And when they offer free trades, A, you have to think to yourself, well, why is it free? Am I the customer or am I the product? In a free trade platform, you are the product. They are selling your information a la order flow to market makers. And I don't know this for a fact, but here's my opinion. They're selling it to a combination of the highest bidder and best execution. Now, those things would seem to diverge a little bit from each other, but bear with me on this. There's a method to the madness. We'll get back to that, but that's important. Remember, they're selling the information, the order flow, your orders. You place an order, it doesn't get executed by Robinhood, and it doesn't get executed routing it to one of the exchanges. It goes into one of these maybe dark pools. It becomes a mystery at that point, but again, it all plays in. We'll get back to that later. It's an interesting balance that these firms have to make. They have to make you happy, but they have to make you make them enough money on the other side to make the market happy. It's interesting. So what do they do? They need you to trade more, obviously. They need you to trade lucrative stuff. It's like walking into a store And the clerk says, hey, can I show you anything? And you said, yeah, I'm interested in a widget. And they have two or three different kind of widgets. And the salesperson gets a spiff on one of the widgets, but not the other one or two. Well, guess what? By default, most people are going to end up with the widget that has a spiff on it. That's just the way things work. All right, let me get back in the lane. And guess what? Here's where it starts to come together. This morning, I happened to be watching... Tout TV or CNBC, and the main reason I was watching, because they were doing an interview with Gary Gensler. I happen to think the guy knows his stuff. He's the chair of the SEC. He's been at the CFTC. He's been on Wall Street, Goldman Sachs. He's been around the block. The guy knows how markets work. The guy knows how politics work. The guy gets stuff done. He's very, very smart. For example, I think He's the guy you want at the helm of the SEC. If you're interested in proper regulation, and that's in the eye of the beholder, I get that. Not everybody's going to agree on everything, but I think he's a hell of a choice. So he's being interviewed, and they're talking about this topic around dark pools for a moment. And he says, and I'm paraphrasing, he uses some kind of word like concern. And here's the thing. What's a dark pool? A dark pool is where orders go to get executed away from the market, away from the visibility of you and me. Hence, dark pool. It's dark, so you can't see it. Just from the interview, I got the sense he doesn't necessarily love dark pools. Now, there's a lot of politics in this. I get that. He's going to be pulled in all directions. But here's the deal. If he's interested in making any kind of change and adding back a layer of transparency that was taken away from the market with dark pools, then I think that ends up having a detrimental effect on Robinhood. Let me throw this, and here's where the conspiracy theory holds true, at least in my mind anyway. 
dangerous place to be. We know that. Most of the Robinhood traders, I would have to imagine, put in market orders on equity trades, for example. Maybe even option trades. Market orders have to be the most lucrative in terms of getting paid for order flow. Well, what happens if Mr. Gensler doesn't like the fact that the pay-for-order flow happens on market orders or has no cap on market orders? That's A number one. So that would put a crimp in the thing because immediately the revenue would go down because if you're having to take money for a limit order versus a market order and it's less money, you're making less money, a la Robinhood and all these other traders or brokers. And if he does something with the dark pools, meaning if there happens to be a relationship with the dark pools and the pay-for-order flow that all of a sudden mysteriously changes the whole pay-for-order flow business when the dark pools aren't what they are today in the future, again, that affects that whole free model of the business. It's a conspiracy theory. It's my conspiracy theory. But I listen carefully to what people like Gary Gensler say because he has the ability to affect change. I think he's saying we need to take a look at dark pools. I think if you look at dark pools, it affects order flow. I think if you look at order flow, he looks at market orders. And I think it's all of the above. And I think if he has an interest in consumer protection, which I'm sure he does. He's a very smart guy, and he knows what's best for these free trading platforms collecting money for order flow isn't necessarily always best for their product or perceived customers, you and me. How you doing? Now, here's the irony of the whole thing. Robinhood became extremely popular. It was popular beforehand, but it became uber popular with the meme stocks. And I'm kind of jumping ahead, a little out over my skis on this one, but the Robin Hood of today may have been built on the meme stocks or the people that traded, that hyped, that drove up the meme stocks. That whole generation of younger traders. Well, guess what? The very people that built Robin Hood on the concept of meme stocks have turned it into a meme stock. How do you like them apples? What about inside the numbers? Because I took so much time on the whole Gensler Robin Hood thing, what we'll do today is I'll let you read the commentary. I'm just going to scroll up. Those that are interested will read it. They'll go back to the charts and double check the work based on what the market did, what was said beforehand, and is this valuable information. So what I urge you to do is pause the video. Read the notes piece by piece. Go back to the charts and do the homework. We will circle back to stocks on the move in a moment when I get done with this. But as a normal course of business, I like to be an open book. I want people to know that I'm not hiding anything. These are my comments. These are my market analyses. Those are my trades down on stocks on the move. And by the way, just so we're finishing up here, at the end of the day, I put up this chart. This was the bearish pattern. This is what I'm expecting the bearish pattern to complete to on the downside. And then we just talked about where it might be going. And that's pretty much the end of the commentary. Stocks on the move today. We had another healthy list. Again, it's earnings season, so it becomes a bonanza. Out of this list, we had four opportunities hit their entry targets. Akamai, CVS, UNM, and General Motors. Let's go to the charts. 
Let's start with General Motors. It was a shitburger. I had it wrong. My numbers were wrong. That's going to happen. It's going to happen about 15 to 20 percent of the time. We're in the risk business. That's the way it works. On the flip side, how about Akamai? 111.17 was the number put up on the board. Zero dark 30 worked out. Again, stock closed yesterday at 119.78, getting a pretty good haircut at the open. How do you pick that out? You know your numbers. The numbers work. Not every time, the majority of the time. How about CVS? How about $80.15? How about a rocket ride? You never know which ones are going to provide the rocket ride. That's why we take some profit along the way and we turn it into a risk-free, emotionless trade. The numbers work. UNM wasn't quite a CVS, but it worked nonetheless. Never got to the second number in the morning, but rallied back and did the deal anyway. Doesn't look like much, but you have to understand the numbers. It's a lower price stock. $25.55 is the entry. Here you are at a high of $26.01. Again, it's almost 2%. You have to put that in perspective. What are your expectations on a scalp trade that may turn into a day trade? You're not looking for $1.50 out of a $25 stock. If it happens, that's fantastic. But that's not the goal going in. What's going on over in Camp IWM? Here we are again at 217.67. They actually did not test it today, but they're hovering. It's not exactly a basket of bullish behavior. Staying above it, she's okay. Getting below it, she's not. We're going to be the umpire calling balls and strikes. She still can be doing this, building energy for another move higher. There's nothing that says the IWM can't be doing that. Now, what happens if the IWM closes, for example, Friday below that important level one more time, 217.67? Again, that tells us that the bears are taking over. Nothing's a guarantee, doesn't tell us anything's definitive for the following day. That's not the way it works. But the more things we have in our back pocket, it creates a full stack of information. Remember, this is the weekly chart. This is a reversal candle. Doesn't mean they will or won't get or close below it, but it's a reversal candle. That means there were buyers in there. That means there's going to be some defense played down around the lows of said reversal candle. It's an important pivot. The market knows it's an important pivot. The market knows if they give up this low, it's good night Irene time. What about the folks down at the transportation department? Check this out. Down 2.3%, 342 points. That's a pretty bad day down at the transportation department. What's this line? That's where I think they're going. 13,545. I did the mathematics. If they do the turnaround thing, they're going to have to get above 14,740, in order to get going. They're going to have to close up there hourly and then daily. Just think of it as this breakdown candle high. That's the only way that this thing can actually reverse and start going in the other direction. Remember, this is my second favorite market leading indicator. It's a number one canary in the coal mine. This market topped in May. It's selling away. From a monthly chart perspective, this market already rolled over. It's my second favorite market leading indicator, a number one canary in the coal mine. Got it? 
What about the folks out in Silicon Valley? The Q people. Again, nothing happened today, up two-tenths of one percent, less than a buck. Again, still uptrend. The trend is your friend, above all the moving averages, near the highs. It's the same story as the SPY. We're either going to get one more push, and this is, in my humble opinion, one more push to the upside, call it the blow-off scenario, think back to SPY 450, the QQQ will be going up at the same time, and if that happens, I'm going to have to say the third time's a charm, and I would have to call for a top in that spot around that place at that time. Don't put the pies in the oven just yet, but here's the point. We've had markets roll over underneath the major indices. The Qs, for example, is top-heavy. It consists of four, five, six names that make up almost half of the entire thing. That's stupid. Why is that stupid? Because once everybody runs for the exits, it's like shoving 10 pounds of shit in a five-pound bag. It just doesn't work. So the fact that other markets and many stocks have already rolled over. Remember, the IWM, the top was back in March. It's a process. And what I'm saying is, if I'm going to be right, and we're still going to get a top in this tape, the holdouts, the S&P 500 SPY and the NASDAQ 100 QQQ are essentially the holdouts. They're going to roll over too. That's the point. But at present, it hasn't. We deal with the tape that's in front of us today. I'm just giving you some of my thought process, some stuff from inside my head. Financials, XLF, they weren't able yet to break out to reach the 38. That becomes the secondary target. The first target is 37.41. They tried to break out the other day. They haven't yet done it. Everything's going to be about yesterday's low. So yesterday, they had somewhat of a reversal day. We have that tail candle. I don't love tail candles in the middle of charts. We know that from the course, Lazy E-Mini Trader. In there, I go over which tail candles are better than others. That's really important. Just like not all numbers are created equal, not all tails are created equal either. Still, this is just like some of the other charts. We have a bullish, flaggish thing going on until we don't. Smash Mouth, breaking out. This is a good proxy for the tech space as a whole. Again, this is one of the lone rangers. Is this telling us that the Qs are going higher? And if the Qs are going higher, is the S&P once again going higher? That's what the SMH is saying today. Is this a real bona fide breakout or a false breakout? Well, I'll tell you this. You've now broke out and closed above two days in a row. Three days in a row. Check that. This is a breakout operation. Here's the weekly chart. So we have the IWM melting away or at least threatening to melt away. And we have the SMH breaking out to new highs. What a long, strange trip it's been. If you're younger than me, you might not have any kind of understanding of what that phrase is. If you're older than me, you'll appreciate it. Have I told you how much I appreciate each and every one of you? Without you, these videos are not possible. That is true and accurate information. We're going to pull the ripcord here today. I'm David Frost, my strategic forecast. Thanks again for tuning in to another episode of Common Sense market analysis.